You're listening to the Top Woman Business Unusual podcast. Now, the Top Woman Business Unusual podcast. Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real-life experience. Top Woman. Business Unusual. Welcome, everybody, to the Standard Bank Top Woman podcast. Today, I am delighted to have Aisha Baker with me. Um, she has been described as the alpha example of social media player who goes beyond blogging. She is a podcaster, a blogger, an uh, entrepreneur um, of Baked Online, a mother, and married to another celebrity, uh, Wayne. Mm-hmm. So, um, Aisha, I think the first thing I want to ask you is how would you describe yourself? Because there's a lot of different descriptions that I've, I've yeah. as well as an award winner, by the way, Cosmopolitan Influencer of the Year in 2018. I mean, there was a long page of detail that I had, but I had to cut it, <laughs> cut it short. <laughs> yeah, I think I had all those things, but um, I don't know how I would define myself now. At the moment, I'm like a breastfeeding excuse me because <laughs> I've just had a baby um yeah. but yeah I am I'm all those things but I think mostly I I want to be considered as an entrepreneur because there's a, a huge um entrepreneurial portion of being an influencer that people don't quite understand mm. and they only understand it once they have to do it for a certain part of their job you know um and I think a lot of the time with models too they've now had to be both yeah. Um, and it's like you have to be so full on all the time. It's very hard to describe that job, but I think it's, it's entrepreneurial for sure because you're not going to get deals if you're not so, so savvy. What came first, the, the influencer, the entrepreneurial side is a result of you being an influencer and now that's where more of the, the passion and drive is coming from? Yeah, so I started out as a blogger when I was 18. I just had a lot of feelings and things to say. Um, at that age and then um, I'd left an all-girls school and, and I went straight to university and all my friends did a gap year so it was like a big change um, for me and I wanted to like write all out so I had a blog that was more about my feelings than about like fashion or anything and then some of my friends on campus was like oh you should post your outfits on your blog so, oh girl do that and um, I was one of the first I think five bloggers that I knew of um, in Cape Town it's definitely the first you to monetize it. Um, I had a very smart lecturer, his name is Dave Duarte, and he was he did a course with us on yeah. social media marketing back when I was at uni. And um, I showed him that I had like 3,000 followers, which was a lot at that time. And he was like, oh, you should totally monetize this. And he kind of gave me a few tips. I don't even think he remembers me, but he like changed my life. So um, I started monetizing it very soon um, after that. And then it kind of evolved and I became entrepreneurial because I had to, because I was like working with brands like Woolworths and for vouchers, eh? (laughs) We didn't get paid. We were getting getting vouchers. I was like, I'm so rich. I can go to Woolworths and buy anything I want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, you know, I had to learn how to do my taxes and like all that kind of stuff. So then it was like an accident, becoming an accidental entrepreneur. And then um, social media kicked off after that and we had to kind of be influencers and 
Mm. That was like a new thing for me because um, being a blogger was very different to being an influencer. Um, I, I wanted to ask this because I was having a, a meeting with my, my PR agency last week. We spoke about influencers and it seems to be thrown around uh, yeah. very loosely. And, I, and I'm not sure, and I'd love for you to just give us a, a, a proper description or a context of how you really see it. Um, yeah. Because I think people are misguided by what it is, and um, it's it's a very, like I said, a very loose term that's sort of thrown around. How would yeah. you, de- you know, how would you describe what is an influencer? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> um, you know, if you asked me what was a blogger, it would be so easy. Like we we spoke about real things, things that mattered to us. Um, but the influencer world is very diverse. There's you know, various forms of influential people. You get um, influential people who influence you to buy. So the consumer side of things, um, you know, there are those people that you follow and you'll buy the camera that they talk about or the cream that they talk about. Then you'll get like the more social driven influencer influences you to, you know, care about the planet or maybe go vegan or just certain changes in your life. And then you get like I don't know what I would describe myself to be, but I'd say more inspirational. So I'm like a mm. bit of both. Um, and this, I really think we're at a stage now in society where everybody's influential and we're all influencers. It's like the movement from word of mouth marketing has moved to online and like everybody's an influencer. I get influenced by friends to buy things all the time and like mm. reviews by regular people, not people with loads of followers. So yeah. I think this influencer term is going to fall away in the next few years, just like bloggers fell away. And yeah. um, I don't know what the next word is going to be, but it's definitely going to change because there's so many of us now. It's honestly so oversaturated. Anyone can be an influencer. Um, but I think what's more interesting to people is how do you become an influencer gets paid on the level that I'm getting paid. And that's what mm. people really want to know about. They always want to know about the money. Like, you know, how do I get paid more? Um, that is something that's different. There's not a lot of us, especially in South Africa, who get you earn yeah. a living, a proper living where you can buy a house, not like a cute money that we used to earn at the vouchers that I told <laughs> you about. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of level of influential is difficult to get to. It requires much more effort and much more strategic thinking. What would you say is is the point where you know like when do you know or you decide that you've gone from an amateur status to this professional sort of influencer like you said where you can buy a house and you can start planning a future or or any of those things like what is the what is the defining moment there the turning point okay so the turning point for me I think um was definitely when I started thinking more strategically so um approaching my brand I'm separate to the, like, baked online is separate to Aisha, the person. So if Mm. you meet me in person, I'm a little bit different to how I am online. Um, My online persona is very strategic now. Um, It's, there's a a multiple, there's multiple factors. And uh, that's the the turning point is when I approached it as a strategy, not as just like posting for sport. Um, And using my strategic marketing skills, because I studied marketing in my business, which is, the influencer side is just, it's still the more profitable side of my business. I also own a fashion label. Um, anyone who owns a fashion label knows that that is not profitable, <laughs> not locally anyway. Um, we're still getting there. 
the more profitable side is the influencer side and a lot of that it's got to do with um, understanding your audience and what you're giving them um approaching content creation as a magazine would so with a personal touch so knowing that my audience not only sees themselves in me they're making buying decisions based on what i share and what i talk about um that's not only a big responsibility but also you need to approach that with caution so what we do mm. is when we posting content we're not always posting sponsored content we've now tailored brands that we work with we've tailored them so that they they fit different categories whether that's cooking it's just like a full lifestyle brand cooking yeah. fashion babies um everything and mm. tapering that with organic content which is what a magazine would do the magazine does um editorials and then they post real think pieces in the in the articles and that's mm. what we want to do on on the um on the page as well so when i'm writing i'm writing from a perspective of my audience not only myself so i'm sharing my story with an intention or a goal and that's the strategic portion of it and whether that's wanting to talk about you know this uh, i'm i told you i just had a baby so i'm very much in that baby zone Yeah. And we spoke about breastfeeding awareness um a couple of weeks ago and that conversation was so important to my audience because they're very much in the same phase of life as me whether they can relate to having had a baby previously or thinking about having a baby they're all kind of in that phase so we approach that topic and you're rewriting the caption and really thinking about what is the messaging behind this article even though mm. it's just a caption what do we want to evoke what kind of response do you want and then when we're doing promotional content after that it feels more meaningful to our audience because they're not only getting adverts they're getting something more um mm. some sort of inspiration or motivation they're learning something so that's what we want to offer on the page it's not just seen as like oh let me post a few pictures of myself or looking good or pictures of my kids that that also it plays a role um but it's not the only thing so previously when i'd first started it was all about looking good being beautiful being put together but it's moved on a little bit and I, I approach it more more like my dream and then then the other side of that is client services which is so important to us and retaining our clients throughout the years i've had clients that have worked with me for 10 or 12 years um and we keep them happy and we build that relationship and that's probably the hardest side of being an influencer for a paid influencer Um, yeah. and running my business the way I do is maintaining client relationships and getting them to understand that we know what our audience wants and a little bit of pushback so it's a full-time job it's a 9 to 5 it's not I mean I'm, sometimes it's a 24 hour job it's yeah. not just about posting anymore so if there is anyone out there wants to take it a little bit more seriously i think the main thing is asking yourself whether you're willing to put this much effort into it mm. and whether you're willing to think strategically um i approach my business as a magazine editor would and it's dealing with clients and it's dealing with the audience i wanted to tuck into that a bit more because i've i've uh, i've re- watched one of your your talks that you did at, at cosmo and you mentioned relationships are are, are really important and i mean how do you harness and manage your relationships what are the kinds of things that the principles that you set that you are guided by yeah so um on both sides of the business whether it's dealing with the customers on the fashion side or the our clients on the marketing side or influencer side 
and the audience side, we we approach it like any relationship that you in your life. So it's like a little bit of give and take. Um, recently, we've also realized that we, we give a bit too much. So now we've had to pull back. Um, so what that means is, you know, checking in with our clients once a year at the beginning of the year. We check in, we set up an entirely new package and send it to everybody that we've worked with in the past couple of years. We have a, a database of all of our clients. That's agencies, brands, um, PR agencies, advertising agencies, whoever we've worked with. We send them our package in the beginning of the year, and that's with our prices and what's changing this year. So that's a lot of intention setting, you know, in the previous year. So what topics we'll be covering, whether that's motherhood, family, fashion, we all weight each of the topics. So um, because I had a baby now, obviously motherhood's at the top tier, and fashion is follows that because I have the fashion label. Um, and then we also give clients ideas of where to plug in. Um, so if you're working, working with a laundry detergent brand, we plug them into the, the journey story behind my fashion brand. So it's that constant tie in my odds like, which is like everything sort of fits together. So yeah. we don't separate those relationships. We keep them in one sort of puzzle. Um, and then, I mean, it's a lot of schmoozing, which a lot of people are not willing to do. It's brown nosing, it's calling and wishing people happy birthday and emailing them and checking in with clients, WhatsApping them and being like, hey, how are you doing? I haven't heard from you. How are the kids? Like, it's that kind of stuff that yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think any of my peers do that. Um, and I learned that from working in an agency, in a PR agency. I, I worked in an agency for three months after I had my son. Um, I had a fake name. My name was Michelle, <laughs> if anyone got emailed by me. <laughs> um, and I would, uh, that's what my boss at the time taught me, is like, you have to check in with people and Make sure they remember you um, and remember that you're out there and getting that buy-in, the same buy-in you want from your uh, followers, you want from your clients too. And it's a little bit of just extra care, TLC, the same thing you would do with your partner, you know, just checking in and um, remembering that there's a person on the other side of the campaign. Um, and mm. then on the, on the flip side of that, I was telling you about um, us having to, you know, pull back a bit. Sometimes our clients take advantage of us, um, you know, asking for extras or, yeah, expecting very, like, turning up time. We've had to black reuse clients in the last year. Um, and I can be, I can be nice, but I can also be hard if I need to be. Um, I mean, one it's, of our, just an example of that is, like, one of our clients kept changing the content and eventually I had to be like, listen, like, this is my profession. I know what I'm doing. So if you change this one more time, we're going to charge you a penalty because we can't have our guys coming out shooting content, us getting ready. It takes hours to produce things. Um, mm. So it's either you go with this or you don't. Um, and there was another one that was um, like gender exclusive, which is not something I'm, I buy into. Um, we were advertising something and they kept referring to like women and making the product very female-centric. And I personally felt that it wasn't a female product. So I'm like, why are we not addressing people? Like it was, um, it was Pride Month and everything was about like this, like gender-conforming stuff. And it was just like making me feel really uncomfortable. And I said like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable posting the kind of stuff that excludes an entire community. So either mm. you come to the party and you say, you accept what I want to say, or we don't work together. I mean, we'd be happy to refund clients if they don't want to come to the party. 
And I think that's also something you have to think about. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about because you and I get the sense that you've you've either and I want to know if, if you've developed it or if it's come very naturally, but you're quite brave in your approach from from you know when you started out to asking for certain things, picking up the phone, trying to get into yeah. events, you know, you hassled. Um, and and is that something that you you learned, or is that something you've always had as part of your nature? I think it's a learned behavior. Um, my both my parents are entrepreneurs. My dad's very much a hustler. Um, I mean, even getting us into the schools here in Cape Town, I went to a very prestigious school school called Saint Cyprian's, and um, I couldn't get in at first. It's a private school, and you know, my dad's like a very dark skinned colored man is not and he's self-made so he wasn't he didn't feel he belonged but he definitely yeah. went there and, and begged for a place <laughs> so he always says like he sat there for two weeks and he's like you're gonna let my daughter come to the school please like I've worked really hard I want a year so I've got that um, tenacity I think from my father he doesn't take no for an answer so I saw no. that from a young age I'm actually quite a shy person no one believes me when I say this I'm an introvert I don't like putting myself out there so it takes a lot of conversations with my, my friend calls it staff meetings with yourself so I have yeah. these staff meetings with myself like you can do this um let's go for it and, I mean it's like I, I'm even sweating talking about the experience of be, putting yourself out there like being yeah. brave and saying like hey I want to work with Woolworths and I'm happy to get rejected I mean I've, you know Woolworths rejected me many times even now I get rejected all the time I will pitch to clients and they're like no you don't with the brand and then I I get pissed off, I get upset. I'm like yeah. emotional, like, why don't they like me? But it's about accepting that that rejection it doesn't mean that I'm good enough. So it's having those conversations with myself. Like this doesn't mean you you're not good enough. It just means that now is not the time. And um, I think the that perception- baby definitely is something I've learned. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think the perception from other people is that, oh, yeah, you're an influencer, you know, you, any doors open to you um, and they don't have these challenges that I do or these fears that I do. And I find this, you know, I often talk to two women who have been successful and it's it's nothing of the above. It's very much a, a learned practice and having that self-talk of dealing with rejection. But I, I, I just wanted to say about your father, one of my favorite bits of, of doing some some background research was actually listening to your podcast with yeah. with him and uh, the fact that you're arguing about what cook sisters are spicy or sweets and yes. <laughs> but it seems um, and the fact that you know he he um, and I'm, I'm just like anyone who's listening for them to go and listen to your podcast um, it's baked right Yes, bake the podcast. Bake the podcast. Um, and really he, from the sense of, of kind of his background and, and what I could understand from the conversations you were having, he seems like he has a very strong presence in terms of this entrepreneurial flair that, that you have and are, and are driving. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my mom's also like a big part of um, our lives because my, my dad is very brave and I think he's experienced a lot of, you know, pushback from being so brave that he is not always keen for, like, for us to be this brave. Like, 
I don't think he, he gets very scared like of what he will feel. So when yeah. I go for something, he often wants to be like, no, like don't do it, like it's too risky or whatever. Whereas my mom on the other hand, who isn't as much of a risk taker, she'll be like, no, one of my favorite things that she said to me as a young woman or young girl even was, if you want it, it's yours, just take it. And it, it plays in my mind sometimes when, yeah. I, when I doubt myself, like just go, just take it, it's yours, it's there. Like you are the only one holding yourself back. And I'm, I used to ask my mom like about certain amounts of money, like could I earn this amount of money? Um, and it's such a joke to think about it now because it's like lick the most minimal amount of money. And she'd be like, yeah, if you want that, you can have it. And I'm like, okay. And that's, it's just matter of fact. So I often say to my friends now, one of my friends just started her own business. And I'm like, you know, it's there. Just take it. We are our own worst enemy. Um, you have all the, all the doubts in your mind. And I mean, what's the worst that could happen is that it will, you fail. So go to that place of like, how bad it feels to fail, and then you'll come out of it. Speaking of failure, it's one of my favorite favorite questions and insights about people. I absolutely love it because I think it's a, it's a, always such a big learning curve. But what do you what would you consider some of your biggest failures or obstacles that you've had to overcome on this journey? Okay, you are quite loads. <laughs> I've started many brands and not launched them. Like I've con- conceptualized them and like. So one of it is um, baked beauty. I spent like a year conceptualizing the beauty brand and like flying up to Joburg, having meetings, putting products together, like spent loads of money doing research. And I mean, baked beauty doesn't exist. You've never seen it. So it never, ever got off the ground. We couldn't get it together. And um, one of my competitors ended up doing a beauty brand and like got it together so quickly and um that was a lot I don't know if anyone listening to this compares themselves to other people but there was a big like punch in the face for me because I was like oh my gosh like I've worked on this for so long and I couldn't get there um Mm. and I felt really like let down about it because I'm like I really wanted this thing and it just and I put in all the work I did all the right things I hired the right people um and it just didn't it didn't come together for us and then so so getting over that was quite a big obstacle because I wanted to launch fake collection all along and I'd chosen to go with a beauty brand first I think partially because of like the success of celebrity beauty brands overseas I thought I could do it I thought I could make it happen it's a very different landscape in South Africa and I'd gone to LA and I saw like how easy things were there and I was like oh, I could totally do this um, and if I could go back, I would rather launch the clothing collection. It's, it's more my expertise anyway. Um, cause I worked uh, in fashion. I worked for the Fashini group for a little bit and um, I ran an embroidery factory. My, my grandmother's been sewing my whole life. So I know more about fashion, know more about garments. I have a better team. So like if I could go back, like that's the one thing I would literally change. It's like, I would tell myself like, no, leave this beauty thing. Lipsticks are done. <laughs> Just go and make fashion. Um, and it, I put off launching Bake Collection because of it. Uh, and I only ended up launching last year on the 1st of July during COVID. Worst I launch anything. <laughs> and I literally went for, I mean, I, I had so much anxiety launching this brand because of the failure of the beauty products that never ca- came to. Um, and I planned Bake Collection for five years before launching it. 
and I wish I just launched it five years earlier. So that was a major, major, major setback for me. And then um, not a failure, it's a blessing. I, I had my son, but after having him, I decided to quit everything. And I was like, I'm yeah. not going to work anymore. And I want to be a stay-at-home mom. I thought that's what I wanted. Um, and I quit the influencer vibes. I sent emails to everyone saying like, okay, I'm done. Like, thank you so much for supporting me. Like the whole thing. And um, that felt like a little bit of a failure because I think maybe a month after I decided that, that I made a mistake and I wanted to continue working. And I had to like pick up my career like from nothing again. For, it took me like maybe six or seven months. That's when I worked in, secretly in the agency um, to make some money. I, I then had to pick and restart everything. Like I had this very fruitful career and that felt like a failure. I mean, it wasn't in the end. It made me really strong. But picking that up again was like so hard. Um, yeah. trying to beg people to work me, drop my prices completely, like like 70%. <laughs> wow. I'm working basically for free again. Um, if anyone works with me that time, they really got a bargain because I was really working <laughs> for nothing. Just trying to get my name back out there. So, yeah, that was also hard. And that's just after, what, one month of, of leaving the, the spotlight? And well, it was about six months in total. I'd left for six months. And right. And started, Yeah. And in all of this, like, you know, in the spotlight itself, I mean, how you seem very grounded and, and I know that, you know, you, you come across um, or you want to just be you, but how do you avoid that, that lingering things getting to your head, it getting to that point where, you know, you're, you're compromising yourself or um, not being the person you want to be? I mean, have you come across those instances and how have you dealt with them? Yeah, I think um, before I had my son, um, I'd always experienced anxiety my whole life. It's so funny because my mom was like, oh, yeah, you've had anxiety since you were eight years old. I'm like, did you ever think to tell me that? Um, <laughs> I so don't I think that's what it was really then. No, it's just like, you know, like when, they, when kids had um, ADHD and they were just like, oh, it's a little bit hyper. Like, yeah. Outside. <laughs> so I had anxiety as a kid and I never knew that there wasn't a term for it for me. And then when I had my son, I had a little bit of a mental breakdown after having him. Just for that pressure of like my job and I was pregnant with him and I, and I started seeing it happening. Um, the pressure of being like always on and always perfect and like projecting this image. And then I had gone through like a postnatal depression and I posted about it. Like while it was happening in real time. And at that time, I, I still had, um, my audience had full access to me so they could be direct message me. And that's like a complete disaster because they're like a lot of very cruel people online. Or they'll direct message you really mean stuff. So I just like I had a complete breakdown and that's when I decided to quit. Um, and I think through that, I learned how to ground myself. So it's just like boundary setting and setting certain boundaries for my mental health. Because um, I would fully lose my mind now if I opened any of the DMs that I get. Uh, I closed off my DMs recently again. I'd had them open to a few people. And then I, if I find things triggering, I don't respond. And I try and ask myself, which is a lot of work that I've done like in therapy, um, where I ask myself, like, why does this comment trigger me? What does it mean? And I like have this whole like journey that I go through like a step by step. So I've learned that I can't have my audience have full access to me. I've had to close off my direct messages. 
I've had to set boundaries with clients who WhatsApp me like all the time. And a lot of my clients become very, very big supporters of me, which I love. But then the lines get a little bit blurred and they think they can WhatsApp mm. me on at midnight on a Sunday and that's not okay. So mm. um yeah, so setting boundaries is the main thing. And then also knowing when to slow down. So for my pregnancy now I've also just you know, when I was pregnant with my son, I shot the Cosmo cover for 15 hours, a two day, two day, over two days. It was 15 hours day one, 15 hours day two, with one for meal on it. Yeah, it was um, a cover and a, and a feature inside. And um, we only ate one meal on both of those days. And like, I, I don't know why I allowed that kind of, I mean, like a ludicrous thing. I was eating meals all day. I was five months pregnant. And I pushed myself to, myself to the limit. And now I'm just, I'm not willing to do that anymore. And I've learned how to communicate that in a very kind way. Like, these are my limits and I can't go past them. Yeah. Um, especially now with maternity leave, taking leave. And my clients didn't understand that. They're like, you're an influencer, you can't take leave. And I'm like, yeah. no, no, I'm not working. I mean, it's just a lot of pushback. We had, one of my clients actually said to me, um, some of us have, have to work even when we're on leave. And I was like, some of us are going to take a break. So it's knowing that you take a break as well. Because um, if you don't take a break, you can mentally break down. And with the nature of this job, often that breakdown is public. Um, yeah. And you find yourself, you know, attacking people online. And it's all a very emotional response. And I've been there. I've been, like, completely hated on Twitter before for saying the wrong thing or I've, mm. I've said the wrong thing many times because I respond from an emotional place. So for now it's like trying to go back inward and like taking social media breaks if I need to, unfollowing, triggering accounts. Um, one of the boundaries that I've said is like I'm willing to comment or engage with my audience in the comment section but not privately. Um, that really helps because it means people can't really be that mean. And if they are reading yeah. the comments, it's very, very rarely. I mean, I can just delete it and it's not. It doesn't affect me. It's those private conversations that get, that trigger you. So um, it's not for the faint art. It look, I mean, there are times when you literally want to say, like, the meanest stuff to people when they are mean to you. But it's also maintaining that, that relationship again. Like, you don't know who's on the other side and what they're going through as well. Like, I've been yeah. to court before for... Um, I think that's what changed me, probably, going to court with someone who was trolling me online. Wow. And I was dead set on, like, suing this woman, and I'm like, I'm going to sue her. She's, like, defamation of character, everything. I had my lawyer go with me. And when I was there and I was listening to um, this woman's life story, like, I, it was honestly so, so sad and so dark. Like, it, like, I understood why she was doing what she was doing. Like, I was able to, like, kind of have empathy for her and then mm -hmm. I dropped the case because I was like we ended up sorting it out I just like I, I told her how I felt in front of the magistrate and the magistrate was really harsh I mean most people don't know this but if you defame someone online it's, it's like harassment so you can go yeah. to jail and she told this woman like you this is this was her second case of um, trolling someone online she was being sued at the same time as me by somebody else Wow. And the magistrate told her, like, if you come in here a third time, I'm putting you in prison with rapists and murderers. And that's like, 
that's the power of like no people don't know this like you can really get into serious trouble yeah and i just thought to myself like this woman's had such a hard life like i don't want to be the person who puts her in jail like it's just like i don't want to do that and then i it changed me it changed how i see um bullies and trolls online and now i'm able to deal with the pressures of my job much better and how and the places that they're coming from are more than likely from a place of hurt or pain or or, or whatever not that yeah. that's not that right or or um acceptable but it sounds to me you know you speak about like having therapy and those sorts of things like how do you have how do you create like your strong supporting environment i mean do you have like people who uh, people throw around the mentor it means different things different people uh but like coaches or like what practices do you have in your supporting environment to help you grow especially as you now going onto this more entrepreneurial focused route um yes. is is it yeah so i love having a mentor um i i'm a huge fan of mentorship um i so one of my manufacturers that was my mentor when i worked at the vashini group and then she started her own business and she uh, we work together now so i always consider her it's very informal but i when i go and i have my manufacturing meetings we have like a 30 minute discussion about our lives she's married with two kids and that's where i want to be similar to where she is and i can often lean on her for advice from a working mother perspective mm-hmm. and then the other people as well um one of the agencies i work for i work with um the owner nicola now mentored me just for three sessions um from a business perspective and she changed the way i view my business and because i was having serious cash flow issues and i asked her one day when i was i just bumped into her and i was like you know what i'm going to email you like i really need help and i just reached out to her and she she met with me three times and she helped me just like um consolidate my cash flow and see where i was spending too much money in the business and it actually happened to be something i was really passionate about which was another failure was my project called millennial mama um it was like a seminar for moms and it was supposed to be this really cool concept that i came up with when i was in england with marsden i'd seen it there and i was like oh this is so awesome it's like baby seminars but cool and i was like so many moms were going to come to this no one wanted to come to that like <laughs> the worst business and it took so much money out of the business and then she was like you know sometimes you're passionate about something and you have to give up on it and mm-hmm. i had to give up on that project um so she really helped me in that way that was the second the second person i would say is a huge mentor to me in life and then something i'm really passionate about is my mental health i do feel like as a colored woman we are not taught about mental health growing up it's just like oh you need to like i'm also muslim it's like just pray and mm. things will be fine like you just need to pray and you'll be okay or like a lot of the time when you like go for a walk or like go for a run you'll be fine um i do believe in exercise and i do believe in prayer but i think no one teaches you how to like do all of that and like feel better so someone that i worked with over the last 18 months is um a life coach and yeah. it's melissa she she started with diet and then she kind of became my life coach we'd have these weekly meetings where we discuss you know the pressures of my job and where to kind of find the sweet spot so for me that is going for a walk um it's meditating um i'm very spiritual so like i sage my house and i like take those moments out for myself to like have like a full cleanse and like a cleanse of my mind 
um, it's taking breaks on social media. And then something that really changed my life, which I recommend to every single person, is um, starting a grateful journal. So yeah. there's an app called Grateful on that. So I'm a huge fan of apps, so everything's on my phone. I don't have like a physical journal. And I started journaling in there, and these prompts that talk about like, um, you know, post like write about the song that you're grateful for that changed your life. It's like such a small thing, but listening to this one song could have changed your day. And then just saying like, I'm grateful for this musician for making the song because it made me feel this way. It really changed my way of thinking. Yeah. Um, so there's, I mean, I'm, I'm into crystals and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, so it's a combination of lots of stuff for me. Um, yeah. And then my, my personal support structure in terms of my family and girlfriends. Um, I have a very tight circle of girlfriends. We actually call ourselves the witches. <laughs> we, we say that we never sit down and have a conversation. We always stand around like a, like a little pot, basically, <laughs> talking. And um, there's that like, group of girls that I can really be honest with and, and vent to. Um, and they hold space for me and I hold space for them. So that's a huge support for me because um, I don't know about other women. I don't know if they can relate, but the kind of lifestyle I have, it's like, you know, with the kids and work and being married, it can get very intense. And you often feel lonely and as if no one gets it. And then you find yeah. those like two or three friends who like completely know how you feel. And I think those relationships are very important. It's like you can really be yourself and just like complain. And <laughs> so I don't really complain in my life. Only in that one WhatsApp group, it's like you'll find my list, <laughs> my list of complaints. So yeah, like I said, it's like a big. There's like a whole lot of stuff that makes me feel grounded. It's not just one specific thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. It sounds very holistic. So, I mean, um, we're coming sort of to the end of, of our chat, and I could probably ask you a million more questions. I've got, I, am a, a, I am a note taker on physical paper, and I've got about eight pieces of paper sprawled out here. That's amazing. <laughs> I hate my handwriting. Do I'm you? I'm a visual person. That my handwriting irritates me, so then I, I just want to. Oh, no. <laughs> no I, it doesn't feel the same for me, writing feelings or thoughts on tech it has to be handwritten really? and then it gets transferred over. I've tried it. I've done, I've done the whole diary thing. I had an operation and, and did the whole journal on, on tech and it did work. And I actually, it's something that you can always keep, which is nice. It actually stays with yeah. you, whereas your notes, I'm flying all over the place all the time. <laughs> um, but I mean, you're, you're going to speak at, at the Top Woman Conference in October. And I just, you know, I don't know if you've got a topic yet or, or what you're going to talk about, but I just wanted to, you know, I suppose women empowerment has become a very uh, important thing for for us in this country. And it's it's probably one of the only places on in the world that you have a full month celebrating women. Um, yeah. I'm working with a UK company at the moment and I told them about woman, a woman's month and they were very, very surprised. And, the, you know, so really? we're, we're quite, yeah, yeah. Um, I found that quite interesting that, that for such an advanced first world country versus where we are, that, that we're, we're kind of much more up there in terms of accelerating gender empowerment and it being on the forefront. But besides from that, I just wanted to know what, do you, what is it that you would like, you know, what are you wanting to achieve? What impact are you you know, do you want to have um, in terms of women and women in business or, or, you know, in that area? It's a um, 
interesting that you asked this question because we I had a meeting with um, some of the guys that we work with in our production side, and we were talking about like content directives after my birth of my daughter. We had a little meeting, and I think the main thing that I think the world needs now is like more purposeful content. So that's something that I'm committed to. Is like even in our brand partnerships, like it needs to be purposeful and meaningful. We're not just doing things for money. Um, or to promote a product like that product needs to come on board and support us and like if I'm working with you know there's a, a type of brand that I'm working with and I've asked them quite a few times to get involved with a, a charity that I'm very passionate about who donates um, nappies and wipes and stuff to mothers on the Cape Flats like it's like we want to work with you but you need to also give back and show us how you're doing that and kind of create that thread um, even in the clothing brand um, we just for Women's Month we just partnered up with a few other female brands and we all donated five percent of our profits um, to a nonprofit organisation that helps women who want to improve their lives, especially after cases of gender-based violence. Um, and then rape crisis is someone that we work closely with, just to educate ourselves on what's currently going on um, in the country and how we can assist, whether that's financially um, or using our voice. Um, you know, as much as we, the country is forward thinking and there's so many of us who are, who are like committed to moving the needle when it comes to women empowerment, we also live in a country that's got like the worst gender-based violence rates in the entire world. So it's yeah. like, how, how do you have this very polarized experience mm-hmm. and what can we do to change that? And I think it's like doing small little things and helping out where you can, um, for example, we're very committed to working with 90% women in our business. So that means that the women who make our clothes, the women that we that manufacture for us, the consultants, the agencies we work with, um, we actually like work with barely any men um, besides the production team. And um, so we committed to, you know, empowering women on the ground level, not just as a concept on social media, it's like in our business too. Um, yeah. and whether that's supporting our charities and we don't always like advertise who we support we want to do it like like very intentionally and from our core um, and that's something I want to keep doing throughout you know the growth of the business um, it's just like spreading that purpose um, and you'll notice there's a change in our content online as well like very thoughtful captions and trying to really connect with women because that's the bulk of my audience Um, And also make other genders understand the experience of like a woman in South Africa and what she goes through. Um, I've been working on a piece on maternity leave for the past two months. Um, It's literally one post, but it takes so long to write because I want to say the right thing. And South Africa is actually very um, forward thinking when it comes to maternity leave. We're one of the only countries where it's illegal to work after you've had a baby for six weeks. So no company can ask you to work for the first six weeks of your, of your, after your birth, which is very, very forward thinking. Like it's including, like including influencers and freelancers. Yes. And I've actually sent that to my, um, my clients and I feel like it's six, like I'm, I'm not even six weeks out. We get four months maternity leave. I mean, we have UIF that supports women with maternity benefits. We get, I mean, there's so many things we still need to do, like, you know, 
but that's really like important we on the we are on a future journey and, and as a business my business is called bake media we want to work towards being a part of that change and making those changes with us writing letters to government and um so rape crisis helps us a lot with that kind of knowledge because it's not possible to know everything you know um mm. like we can we make an impact not only in a social media from a social media perspective but in our business as a whole um so that's i think for the next 10 years is we want to work towards being like talking walking the talk is that what it's called yeah we want to walk the talk yeah walk the talk yeah i always get these things backwards myself so i know it's <laughs> so bad at idioms <laughs> yeah my partner calls them carlisms so um there's a whole there's a whole notebook on those as well um <laughs> Where I mean, speaking of, and just I just want to tap into a little bit of the future. What are we looking forward to in terms of your entrepreneurship entrepreneurship journey? What are you learning at the moment? Like, what's what's um, apart from motherhood, which is obviously a big part of the influence of of what is yeah. inspiring your your moves. So right now we're trying to we run my business from my home. We're trying to move into an office space, so that's our our short term goal. hopefully that happens before christmas <laughs> and then um once we move into an office space it like to expand the um clothing collection so there'll be more of a push on my online platforms around my clothing range um we want to expand our size curve we want to expand our styles and then introducing menswear and kids and starting to wholesale so just basically expanding that business now that oh. we've got such a nice audience and hopefully international shipping will happen soon Um so there's a huge focus on bait collection for the next 5 years. I am dialing back on the influencer side um mm. because like I said we want to do more meaningful content and that means not taking on as many clients. So now yeah. we're signing long-term contracts with very few brands and people uh, that unfold over the next few years. Um so that's what I'm focused on doing so we can really add that meaningful touch to our content. Um and then focus mostly on bag collection and then um yeah i mean i've got so many ideas it's just about like reading them in at this stage because i mean i think on and on i want to launch a coffee brand i want to do so many things um but what i learned from from failing at bag beauty was that not every idea needs to be like sometimes you can just flesh out an idea Yeah, and just enjoy the, the like concept and leave it there, you know. And I often do that. That's one thing I do write down is ideas. I don't put them in my phone. I'll write that down on a piece of paper and flesh yeah. out like an entire brand, and then I'm like, let it go. <laughs> Sometimes once you've dreamed about something, it's almost like you've lived it when you've yeah. like created it. And by the time you've got to do it, you're like, okay, well, I don't really need to do it now. I can just like it was a nice dream. Yeah, the amount of times I've designed furniture also. <laughs> like one of my one of my friends has a furniture manufacturing company and I always design furniture and send him my ideas. He's like, "So, are we ever doing big furniture?" I'm like, "No, no, I just need to like get this out of my head." <laughs> Very crazy. Well, Asha, it's been so so lovely to chat to you. Um and I'm going to let you get back to your busy life and your beautiful family. Um and like also thank you so much for chatting to us. I know you've got a lot on your plate with a 2 month old and a 3 3 and a half year old and uh, <laughs> everything that's going on. That's probably the busiest part of life at the moment. Yeah. Um, so so really appreciate you taking the time and I think 
Um, it's going to be lovely for people to just, yeah, listen to listen to what you've got to say around life in general. Um, guys, we're going to, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to want to say, any leaving comments? I think my leaving comments are definitely follow us online, at Baked Online and at Baked Collection. And, um, yeah, stay tuned. We've got lots coming up. And I hope that you guys enjoy this chat with us. Thank you, Aisha.